Welcome to Line Noise, a podcast about electronic music. I'm Philip Sherburn. And I'm Ben Cardew. Uh, and today we have a very special guest. Her album is released this Friday. Tell us. Uh, it's Olga Bell. The album's called Tempo. It's coming out on One Little Indian. She's a Brooklyn musician, uh, born in Russia, raised in Alaska, former member of Dirty Projectors, and Tempo is something new for her. It's it's kind of an incursion into dance music. Yeah, her previous album, uh, under her own name, uh, was uh, basically referencing uh, her Russian roots, Russian music, um, and but her new one is, is very up-tempo, uh, a sort of almost a pop dance record, I would say. Yeah, she said that she she was inspired by watching Paris is Burning. She was inspired. She went out um, clubbing, sort of a, a research um, endeavor, but also a pleasurable endeavor. And and she wanted to make her own version of, of dance music. And so we've spoken to Olga. We, we, we Skyped with her from Brooklyn. And um, shall, we, shall we take a listen to that talk now? Let's do that. The first uh, question, we asked her about what it was like growing up in Alaska. So you you landed in in Alaska, right? Yeah, yeah. What was that? Like? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, I mean, your parents, ask, I guess, must have had a reason. Ask to be my right. mom. She she gives me these very she gives me these very mystical responses, like she read a lot of Jack London when she was a kid, and she I, I suppose it's not mystical that she says she was sort of getting fed up with the Soviet Union, and um, you know we we have a very we had a very small sort of nuclear family, so it was just just she and I um, kind of took off and started anew. <laughs> was it difficult to get out of the Soviet Union at that point? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. I, I I think because my mom uh, had been a she was a, a broadcaster for Radio Moscow, and I think she had achieved a, a level of seniority there that allowed her to travel probably more freely than, uh, than, than others. Um, I know that before we, before we moved, when I was very small, she did some time, um, at the, at the BBC in London. So I think she, she might've already had some traveling, um, privileges and, uh, yeah, I just, I just remember that we arrived in Alaska. I don't think we were planning on moving, but, um, it was in the fall of 1990. It was in October because we, actually traveled on my birthday and because we crossed the international date line my birthday happened twice and when you're seven that's like the most unbelievable miracle <laughs> um so uh yeah so so that's that's kind of all i remember and then we just wound up staying where we were in alaska what was alaska like for growing up it was great i mean i i grew up in a in a, a city i grew up in anchorage um and uh and and I loved it. Um, I didn't get to do quite as much sort of Amazonian outdoor stuff as, as most of my friends because I had to stay inside and practice a lot uh, at the piano. But um, clean air, we would go cross-country skiing. There were lots of ski trails um, in our neighborhood. And we again, we lived like kind of in, in Midtown. Um, yeah, just lots of lots of freedom and autonomy and and, and moose. Lots of moose. <laughs> It was great. I, uh, I I really I lucked out. I, I um, found this. My mother and I I guess found, met this amazing woman uh, Svetlana Belichko who had been a piano professor at the Moscow Conservatory 
who had also just moved to Alaska sort of randomly because her children were painters and had gone there to work. And um, so she was starting over as well. And we we just happened to meet by chance. And uh, she never had a child student. And my mom kind of begged her to to take me on. And I was seven. And uh, we just began. And I wound up sitting with her for kind of the, the whole time that I lived there. So 10, 11 years. And then I went to, uh, to college in, in Boston for piano. To the conservatory there. Yeah, the New England Conservatory. Did you, I was curious, when, when you were kind of hardcore into, into piano, did you have any favorite composers? Anything oh, absolutely. With? Yeah, yeah. Um, all, you know, the, the French Impressionists um, and, uh, and, then, and then, of course, a, a, a bunch of Russians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shostakovich, Prokofiev, um, Stravinsky, although I didn't really play any Stravinsky. I tried Petrushka, but my hands didn't quite didn't quite reach some of those chords. It's a, anytime there's an orchestral reduction, you know, things are going to be like nearly impossible to play, even if they're, even if they're made by the composer. <laughs> um, so yeah, t- tons of people. I, you know, I love playing Chopin, sort of all the requisite stuff, but I, oh, and, and Bach, of course, I, I really loved, uh, I, I, I guess I loved it all. I auditioned for college, um, for, for conservatories with like a late Beethoven sonata. So I fell in love with that. Um, moment in uh, in his canon. I don't. I mean, there's there's so much, but um, yeah, definitely Ravel and, and Debussy. Scriabin and uh, Scriabin. I didn't play very much Scriabin. I've just played a couple of preludes, um, but Scriabin is cool, and he had he had synesthesia. Yeah, exactly. Like mess, like Messiaen. The organ of colors <laughs> and and whatnot, and like angels coming down from the clouds to ring bells. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think I think I'm fascinated with with the whole idea of synesthesia. I don't I don't think that I have it, but um, but I mean I think everybody everybody who's who's connected, you know, to music has some very visceral response to it. And I um, I have pretty good pitch, but I don't have like super specific color association. One thing I was wondering that, that I think quite interesting is. is... The, the music you're making at the moment, or the music that you're making on the most recent album, mm-hmm. is, um, for, for want of a better word, dance music, house music, um, which is often made by people who, who don't have any musical training. Um, do Have you ever found it slightly... Is it very different sort of making it with, with, with a great deal of musical training behind you? Do you ever find you have to sort of... Um, almost, yeah, unlearn or rail in everything you know just to make things simpler or? Yeah, yeah, I think I I kind of liken it to, absolutely, in in short, yes. (laughs) And uh, I I think it's like you you go through life and you you pick up all these suitcases of, um, uh, yeah, things you learn in classes, things you learn from just reading, experience teachers and uh and then you kind of have to be selective about what you carry around and, and when to like just throw it all up in the air and and do something do something completely yeah not not uninformed by that because I guess it's impossible to um to to completely erase um you know you're you're, you're always living just from from outside your own brain anyway I'm sorry I'm totally I'm totally rambling um I think uh yeah, I mean that's why I went to a bunch of dance nights myself because I wanted to think less and 
feel more. And, but then of course, from, from a sort of analytical, um, perspective, like how, how does a, uh, house kick drum that's really regular, how does that, how, how is that different in feeling from like a, a Baltimore club kick pattern? And I, I guess, yeah, I mean, there's, it sounds like, I, I, mm-hmm. it sounds like you found yourself kind of unavail, uh, unable to stop sort of thinking about it as you were there or it, unable to stop analyzing it as you were there in the club. I, I guess so, but I also think that's just how that's just how I exist with with music because I'm really I just I've never there's never been a time in my life when I I haven't um, been completely sort of immersed in and like feel like I was def- defined by music really. So maybe I mean, it might just be impossible for me to to not analyze it because I I sort of delight in it and it's like just kind of the way that I think, <laughs> but I did, I mean, I did try. Yeah. I, I totally tried to, um, to, 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 to make something very sort of visceral and, and, and physical first. And that's why so many of the songs on this record began with just me thinking, you know, looking outside and like, what kind of day is it today? How do I feel? Um, is it like a 75 BPM day or is it a, is it a 135 day? And I would I would turn on the metronome and just think about those um, that that pacing and uh, and what kinds of sounds um, would 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 live in that in that like pulse world. let the metronome run and sit there and, and kind of think and, and imagine in, in time with a metronome. Yeah. Yeah. Like what kind of, what kind of harmonic pacing I, I because I'm a keyboard player um, originally, I, I think about, I, I, I usually start with harmony and chords um, and then maybe some counterpoint that, that develops into a melody and then, um, and then drums so, um, yeah, so a lot of the songs started, started with that or, you know, like in the, the slower, um, the slower tempo songs on this album, um, came from me thinking about, well, it was obvious to me what, what was exciting about, you know, the fast paced music. Um, but I was thinking like, what are some really physically compelling records at the lower end of the spectrum? And for me, um, those were, uh, Portishead, um, Massive Attack and then, a lot of, um, you know, early West coast hip hop just did all these amazing, um, there's, you know, there's room for these like synth sort of melismas, these like incredible lead synth lines because there was so much space in the beat. Um, one of the things you said about the, the new album, um, was that you studied the cultural streams that eventually produced the top 40 MTV dance hits that you remembered from your childhood, like yes. Mr. Waters, Black Box and, uh, Robin X. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm quite interested, at, at the time that these came out, you know, 1990, 91, 92, um, what did you think of them then? Because obviously at that time uh, you were studying a lot of classical music, um, mm-hmm. 
you were spending hours and hours a day uh, working on, you know, very complicated music. What did you think about this, this music? You know, I, my memories are so uh, just, I think when you remember your childhood, it's sort of r- rosy and uh, um, favorable anyway, at least it is for me. And uh, and so I, I have these memories of listening to that music and watching In Living Color at sleepovers and just there were so many sort of like bright colors in, in the music and in what you, you know, the, the imagery and, and, and early MTV and like doing the running man and just kind of going bonkers joyfully to these like huge, uh, huge house, um, pop house jams. And, uh, yeah. And just that being an incredibly viscerally joyful experience that felt just, it just, seems very pure looking back on it. And I, I guess I wasn't thinking or analyzing really. I was just like jumping around with my friends and, and being, and feeling very happy. <laughs> and do, you, do you have one of those songs that you always come back to? Is there like one perfect pop house jam for you? Oh man. Um, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, for, 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 for people who know serious dance music, it just must seem so ridiculous, but, um, Show yeah, show me love is definitely one of those. <laughs> it's a classic. Um, yeah, even I mean it's it's so embarrassing, but I'm just gonna be honest. Like the Scatman song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was reading about that guy. He had a super crazy like check checkered history. He was I think he was a drug addict and I think he di- I think he died. I don't I don't know. Anyway, we don't have to get into it. But that song. It was great. <laughs> and then another another part of it was uh, I listened to a lot of hip hop growing up, too. Like just just the other day, um, I was listening to um, Flute Loop from Ill Communication yeah. by the Beastie Boys. Yeah. And it's Ill Communication is one of my favorite albums of all time, first of all. Um, and Flute Loop is such a such a cool, like delicious sounding song sonically and then energy wise. It just like. It just punches you like delightfully again and again. Um, so, and it, it, the first track on my album um, has some has some flute stuff, and I was thinking that it was it sort of wound up being a an, inspired a lot by flute loop, and then like the gin and juice instrumental has that the the, the pacing that's in the same like B, BPM family. So, were you really conscious of? Um kind of consciously trying to use specific elements of some of these songs because I, I was I was interested in listening through the album how it seems like you're playing with certain tropes that are almost like musical quotations like in ATA there are the finger snaps with the heavy reverb that has mm-hmm. a very specific feel to it and in Dopio there's the sort of Euro trance synths um, and in Power User there's that the, the chorus the sped up chorus the I'm, I'm not going to sing it, but I, I guess you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, that, yeah. You like that dancer? <laughs> that feels mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know where, I can't figure out what that's reminding me of, but it sounds very specific to me. And I was just wondering yeah. if you were kind of in channeling things. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of this new album is me just wanting to be sort of playful and have fun. And uh, that particularly um, 
in, in, in power user. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it's, it's a little bit reminiscent of the like PC music moment that, right. that, that just happened, yeah. but I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't mean to quote it outright. I just really like playing with sped up vocals and, and, and pitching vocals around, um, sort of by hand, like at the end of, um, Dopio, um, all the, the, the vocal pitching that happens there is all, um, done without any, any apps. It was just sort of done, done by hand where I would, I sang the melody on one note and then I pitched it, um, in Ableton, you know, slice by slice to whatever, whatever pitch I wanted it to be. So it still retains like a little bit of a human character. Not, not that there's anything wrong with like Melodyne or, or, or hard tuning or uh vocoder stuff, but that's great too. But, um, wait, so you pitched yeah. up every note of the, you didn't just speed up the clip, but you pitched up every note in Ableton kind of of the phrase. Well, so I'm talking about the so Dopia was sort of this in, in, in three parts, um, and uh, and the third part where you have the the pitched voice going, "Dick is so sick, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, a million clicks." Um, We're bootlegging and, and that. that. Sorry. We're bootlegging that. You just say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so that was I, I sang uh, that melody just on one note, and then I. Uh, I, and then I cut it up and just sort of clip by clip um, pitched it up or down as, okay, as, cool. as necessary. Yeah, sometimes adjusting just just even by a few cents um, to kind of tune or, or, or brighten one of the chords. conscious i mean i I listened to i I basically spent a year taking myself dancing (laughs) going alone to to clubs and and experiencing um that sort of forcing but but i was i was you know in the name of research and also it was really interesting at any time you know somebody from the sort of like the the forefathers of, of detroit techno anytime one of them would be in town i would go and hear them and then i also tried to make myself a regular at um uh, Cielo, uh, Frank, Francois K's Monday night party mm-hmm. at Cielo. Um, and, and I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess the, the tropes that appear in these songs, um, they're, they're definitely, e- each one of these songs is definitely a very earnest expression, um, of, uh, of, of, you know, what, what I, what I felt like, like making it, I guess, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of meandering away from, from the question again, sorry. <laughs> no, no, but I think that's really interesting that, like, sort of the extent of your of your research, you know, like to going mm-hmm. out specifically. Yeah. I, I mean, I did. Did you have fun? Yeah, I did. I really did, and I I, I had a great time. That's did, another huge component of this record. I don't. I, I that I just wanted to. I just wanted to to do something fun and and physical and to mm-hmm. to move around a lot and to yeah because I never really. I never really got to do that yet in my life. And it's strange because, you know, I'm in my thirties and I'm not like looking to hook up with anybody in any of these clubs, <laughs> which is, which is a, you know, I, I, and I purposefully looked for parties and spaces where that, that, that it 
would accommodate and sort of encourage just a, a really pure dance experience. Mm-hmm. So I um, avoided, you know, whatever the like bungalow. I mean, I, I don't even know what is going on with all those clubs. I think I, I think I might have gone to them when I was like 22 and first moved to the city for a moment. But um, but I definitely was was pursuing a purely sort of like musical um, experience. And and I and I got it and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Did you ever find yourself on the dance floor suddenly having a musical idea and you'd have to get your phone out and record it or something like that or go off to the toilet and record something? <laughs> no, I, 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 I shazammed a lot of stuff. I remember going to Todd Edwards and MK and just being like, oh my God, what is this? What is this? What is this? And those two guys in particular, especially Todd Edwards, um, um, in comparison with you know, a set like Jeff Mills, it's, they're both such, such vital artists, but one is so super outgoing and like huggy and musically just like gleeful. And then of course, Jeff Mills, I don't know if you guys have seen any of his um, amazing like manifestos on how he wants to move the art form forward. So he's not afraid to alienate his fans and turn his back on them. And it's, it's very, um, I don't know, like pr- professorly and, uh, and totally not shazamable <laughs> in any way, shape or form. Either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like three records mixed together all at once at plus eight. You can't shazam that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but both, you know, both experiences are, are so, or both vibes are, are it, it's all like just different forms of almost like meditation. Like the, the club experience, and the reason I went alone is that I didn't want to be comfortable. I didn't want to just hang out in the corner with my friends. I wanted to just like be in the thick of it and then feel that and kind of turn turn myself over to it. What do you think? Someone who um, has listened to Cry and now, uh, for the pronunciation, <laughs> by the way, and now listens to the new album, what are they going to think? I mean, I, I'm really, I'm fascinated. Uh, by <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> what are, what are they going to think? They're probably. I mean, I hope they enjoy it. I hope they just li- listen with. Uh, but they're they're definitely going to. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that. I, I, I released a record in 2011. Um, it, it was just a self-release, and um, under the under just my last name, and that was when I was playing in a trio with these two really awesome drummer producers, and I'm still friends with Jason Nazar and Gunnar Olsen, who appear on um, Regular. Um, they play some, some drums for that track, um, and that that music that I was making up to 2011 as as Bell um, before I spent a couple of years touring in, in other bands. That was, I, I think that's more uh, of a cousin to this record and what I'm making now. Cry, uh, even though I guess it's technically my debut under my full name, it's it's sort of a a, a, a one-off. I see it as a uh, a very specific um, project, and I see this as a little a little bit more um, uh, in in line with what I was doing kind of from, from the time that I first got to New York, which was a while ago now, like 2005, 2006. So what comes next is probably going to be more like tempo than, than cry, or could be anything. It could be anything. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't know. I guess I think about this sometimes, whether, whether um, I personally enjoy, um, you know, swinging the, the pendulum from one quadrant to a, to a completely different one. But I, I understand that it could be disorienting to people. Um, I, I really like 
personally, I, I really enjoy when, when artists or, or bands that I love um, just completely transform things. Um, so I hope I hope that people would, would be open to it. I, I was surprised that, that, that anybody even heard Cry. <laughs> I thought that record would just be for truly for, for like me and my mom. Um, yeah. because it, it comes from these like Dmitry Pokrovsky tapes that she would play for me when I was little and she actually sang in that ensemble for a while. So it's a very specific project. And then I found this map and I wanted to, um, yeah, like decided that I would do one, one track for each region. And so, yeah, of course this is completely, completely different, but it, it's still, you know, it's still me. And, and I guess the, it's my, still my voice and the, the, I, I would hope that there's certain musical, um, qualities that that connect connect the two projects i was uh, i was curious about the song you did with sarah lucas um i was wondering yeah. who she was and also why you chose to to work with her it seems unusual for a singer like yourself to to work with a with a featured guest vocalist mm-hmm. well i i, I wanted I, I purposefully wanted to to feature somebody else in a vocal capacity because I wanted to sort of um, to, to to be seen as as a producer because mm-hmm. uh, um, I feel like when you when you open your mouth to sing on 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 something that you might have made you know all the other components um, I think it's very easy for the narrative to be just about a singer and I think when you're a mm-hmm. woman it, 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 it can sometimes go in in in, in this direction of you know, this is like a, a chanteuse or a songstress and you're oh, like, oh, I just want to be a producer. Yeah. I, I wrote this music. Yeah, I made it yeah. all. And, um, so that was part of it. And, and, you know, initially uh, ritual was an instrumental and I wanted to release it. I was thinking I would put it on the album just without singing as a way to draw attention to the fact that I had, you know, I, I, yeah, the, the, the music, um, the synths, that song in particular, I wanted to explore like, a longer form, you know, sort of quote, like pure, um, dance, dance composition, uh, playing with filters. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I sent it to Sarah and she, she sent me some ideas and they were amazing. And she, she has this vocal quality, which I think there's something, it's almost, you know, did you guys see the, the performance that, Annie Lennox did uh, with Hozier, Hoosier. I forget. I don't know how to say that guy's name. No, 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 no. Um, she she performed. I put a spell on you, and it might have been at like a, a Grammy ceremony. But in that performance, she just has this like searing focus, and she totally kills it. And she overshadows everybody else on the stage, including her like younger collaborator, that that guy. Um, and so there was something of that in, in Sarah's performance where she was so, she just became this amazing, like house diva, um, in, in a way that, that I really, I, I don't feel like I, I could ever do. And I really wanted that. Um, it, it, it turned into something that, that was, is, you know, integral to the identity of that track now. Steve is quite interesting because 
it's uh, the album is obviously uh, for me anyway. It sounds very very poppy, kind of very very commercial. I can imagine it doing really well. Mm. How how would you feel if 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 you know you did end up doing this album on you know doing two two song PAs at massive nightclubs for people who just want to hear the hits in in that kind of way. How, because it's very different from, well, from, from what I can tell, it's very different from the sort of musical background you come from. Is that something mm-hmm. you, you would like? Is it something you've thought about? I would love that. Sorry, two-song PA. Wait, I don't think I understand. What... As in, you know, you go on, uh, you do two songs, they play the backing track, and, and you're gone. You know, there's no... I don't even um... think that exists in America. I think that's a purely like, oh, yeah. European or UK thing. It is, yeah. No, that's very, that's very, very UK. You know, you, they, I mean, you put on the back of track, you go on and sing, and, and that's it. You know, you receive your applause and and your big paycheck. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I would, I just, I would love for any of that to happen. I'm, I'm completely open to, to I mean, the, when Sarah and I were writing Ritual, um, when we were working on the lyrics, we purposely took out all the like pronouns so that uh. it could be for anybody, just like. You know, if you think about Robin S. or so many of, again, the, the sort of iconic vocal house jams that I can think of, it's just about you as opposed to like he or she. And yeah. and, uh, and I think that's really important that it could be sort of anybody's anthem and, and that and that it's um, it's that it's available for for people. Um, for, yeah, for everybody. <laughs> I was I was curious about what you're your process of writing lyrics was like, I'm, I'm not usually a lyrics person, uh, but your label sent me the lyrics, which was super helpful. Mm. And I was reading awesome. through them and listening along and they're really interesting. And I mean, but there, there's a, there's a diaristic quality to them or not a diaristic quality, but there's a quality of, of you addressing kind of an, a, another person and working things out. And at the same, they're like, as I think Ben was saying there, they're sort of almost understandable, but then there's something where you're sort of left in the dark. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was just curious how, how and when you actually put those down. Yeah. Well, first of all, as, as, a, as an overarching concept, I really enjoy the, the like multifacetedness of you, right? Like you can have right. a you that, that, that's reflexive. So you're talking to yourself and, and, and then you can have a you that's, that's outside of yourself. So that's something that I really enjoy playing with um this telescoping to like your sort of micro emotional environment and then out to somebody else or perhaps out to like society at large and and your place in it um and then yeah for me lyrics frequently most often come towards the end um after a a mumble track has been laid down (laughs) i used to think that was that was a strange way of writing, but then I read that you know Paul Simon does it that way, so it's legit. <laughs> my, my favorite um, you on the album is you. F, and, and sorry, we have to bleep the the profanity here because we're we're family friendly on iTunes and we don't want them to bump us. So Yay. you you effed up the only rodeo you get. That's a great line. Oh yeah, that that's I mean that's just the the sort of. Fatalism of a of a kid raised on Radiohead, right? Right. Probably. Like we we messed it all up. Um, maybe I did. Maybe we all did. Maybe the politicians did. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in 2016. I mean, especially right now with with everything that's happening, kind of nationally, internationally, that song "America" is is really interesting. Um, 
can you say a little about what was on your mind with that one? Oh, well, uh, again, it started with, with the music and I wanted to have these huge, like I, I found this patch on a VST synth called Spire. It's another, I guess, jumping to like a, talking about the production some more. Um, I, I wanted to, to use sounds that I thought of as, as really sort of like commercial and, and almost kind of gross, like quote unquote EDM sounds and synths. Mm-hmm. So I looked around on forums for like what all the, like it was silence a few years ago, but yeah. now all the like young, you know, 22 year old Swedish Fruity Loops, whatever producers are, uh, are using um, Spire. So I got Spire and it's actually really cool. And I would look around, um, you know, I would, I would play around with the presets and, and take these sounds that were, yeah, like almost tropes of, um, of a certain kind of humongous, you know, big room house, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and, and I wanted to sort of make them my own and, um, and, and subvert them a bit. And so America started with wanting to have this contrast, which I guess it's kind of a drop <laughs> between, um, this very somber organy, um, interlude and then this huge, like, um, these widespread transy synths and this wordless, um, wordless chorus, uh, all the, all the voices going, uh, Hawaii, <laughs> which, uh, which, so for a while that track was called pure moo. Cause I listened to a bunch of like Enya. <laughs> I was like, what would Enya do here? <laughs> um, and, and then, Lyrically, I, yeah, I just I started with um, I wanted to 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 take the word America, but but say it in a way that um, uh, that, that breaks up the syllables and, and puts an accent um, on, on a part of the word that isn't naturally accented. Um, and so I yeah I, I started with wanting it to be like America with this huge drop on ka, and uh, and then it all kind of went from there um i guess i guess it could be very specific discontent or very general discontent depending on uh depending on what what somebody would need from it <laughs> it's, it's, i mean to, i don't know it's i think it's a very powerful st- statement and, and maybe more direct than almost anything on the album that is this what you fear that you're not forever you know i mean mm-hmm. I, at least for me as an american like i read that and and it's it's immediate. It's like yeah, you know, end of empire, end of not, yeah, totally. You know, end of all of it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. end of I mean, late 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 stage capitalism and mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 change that's that's difficult and and painful and yeah, might mean the, the decline of yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. I've been. Todd Edwards? Oh, man. Todd Edwards? (laughs) I don't know if I should talk about them, but um, did you all hear the remix that Khan, K A H N, Khan, Khan, did um, for Colella of um, 
uh, all the way down. It's from her, uh, it's from the Hallucinogen Remix CP, and it's one of my absolute favorite remixes of all time. It's so beautiful and musical, and there's so much counterpoint in it, and it's just so rich. I, I love Colella anyway, and I just discovered Khan, and I discovered that he was from Bristol, and we had this whole Twitter conversation where we were talking about Bristol and Portishead, and I did my, like, um, Ardman impression for him. <laughs> I like Mr. So Twede. <laughs> oh, the um, My, Wallace and Gromit. The chicken. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could you do it so, for us again, please? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Twede. No, I don't. I, hey, <laughs> hey, <good>. Chickens. <laughs> um, you need the face, though. You have to have the, like, the, like, ooh, the, the grimacing mouth and the, 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 the boogly eyes. That's, that's a really important component of it. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I, I love remixes. I love the whole idea of them and I love making them and I, I love getting them. So yes, lots of have so there given lots of thought to remixes. Yes, totally. I just didn't want to drop any before the album came out and people had a chance to hear the originals. Sure. Are you going to be touring, uh, the album once it's out? Yeah, yeah. I'm going on a, I'm going on a little run in, um, June. To, to Europe. I'm playing some shows um, supporting Empress of and a couple of headlining shows in the UK, my first ones. Awesome. So, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> touring, touring, absolutely. How are you doing the live? I mean, what, what are you going to be doing for this? Are you, is it you solo or are you with other people? Um, it'll, it's just going to be me solo. And, um, and I, I try to make it, um, I guess it's sort of teeters between being um, sort of a dancey set and sort of a, a, a poppier, more straightforward, like woman with a microphone singing at a crowd set. So I, I really, I really want it to be both um, where I, you know, I could just be in the dark for part of it, creating um, a certain atmosphere. And, and uh, I think it's easier for people to dance and enjoy sort of their own space when there's not like a front lit person. But I also recognize that a lot of this album Ben, as you said, is, is sort of is sort of poppy, so it's important yeah. to 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 slip into that uh, role as well. So TBD. Hopefully, it'll be a good show. <laughs> but no, no uh, Barcelona dates confirmed. Oh no, not 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 yet. I would I would yeah I would love to. Because no one buys music in Barcelona. That's a no. <laughs> you I think you guys do though. I hear about all the. All oh, the things that you listen to. Oh, we need to talk about what we're listening to. Yes, what, are you, what are you listening it. to? What are you listening to? Oh well, I was hoping to start with you guys. <laughs> I'm, oh, I I'm just going to be honest and t- and say that um I've been listening to I've been listening to that panda song a lot. I kind of listen obsessively to to things, and so I listen to that. Have you guys heard the panda song? Oh, this is designer. Designer. I mean, I and know, you know what? of it, but but I like I couldn't even bring it to mind at the moment. Oh well, so the chorus of it, or the kind of hook, goes black X six, which is a, which is a BMW, um, like SUV, uh, Phantom, white X six, looks like a panda. And the other day, somebody was driving by in a white B- new BMW SUV, 
And I, as I was crossing the street, this, this poor person, I, I went, Panda? Because I feel like that song is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And the driver rolled down the window, and they're like, what? And I was like, what, what, kind of, what kind of BMW is that? And he goes, uh, X4. And I was like, oh, never mind, not a Panda. And, and, we, and we laughed. Panda, 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 Panda. I got broads in Atlanta. Just a Dolly in the family. Credit cards in the scammers. Hitting the licks in the band. Legacies. Found him. Wayne C. Lit like a panda. Going out like a Montana. Honey killers on the helmets. Legacies. Found him. Wayne C. Panda. Pockets woke. Danny. Selling ball. Candy. Man on the macho like Randy. The chopper go out to the ground. The nigga bullet your band. But yeah, I, 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 I kind of listen obsessively to songs maybe it comes from being uh you know uh, having like studying pieces very very obsessively but i listen to them i listen to things like 50 times and then i and then i move on so it's been that song a lot and then uh where do you i mean do you because i've heard of panda i i see people talking about it and i and i clicked on something <laughs> so that i've heard it at least once but do you do you, are you listening to like hot 97 or are you like looking looking for it on youtube i don't i assume well, you're not so, buying so, the cd single yeah so i listened to so i listened to the, the kanye album and that's i think that's how a lot of people discover that song and it's on there in a different form i think i forget what what the track is called in the kanye record but i wasn't crazy about the Kanye record, but I really loved this track and I wanted, you know, I, I went looking for who's on it and I saw that it was designer. And then I discovered this whole, you know, debate about how designer is the 17 year old kid from Brooklyn, but he's ripping off um, future and how like right. New York rap is, doesn't have an identity right now. And it was really fascinating to me. And I kind of want to defend designer. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I haven't listened to future that much, but there's a producer in Philadelphia that I'm friends with, Noah Breakfast, who's a big Future fan and, and sort of expert aficionado. And I've listened to lots of Future on his recommendation and just didn't really get into it. And then this song, maybe because there's this like collective, you know, consciousness of, of, of it happening. But I found it so appealing just the way his the the like register and tone of his voice and I think it's I think it's different from sure I think there's you know on a superficial level it's like mumbly and you know maybe some of his patterns are similar um but anyway I, I I've really been enjoying that track as well as a couple a couple from the Rihanna record mm -hmm. I guess I like to I like to be like 20 minutes behind the conversation and also I think because I'm in this album release mode I, I like I sort of don't dare listen to Radiohead until I have like a clearer, right. clearer brain. Uh, so yeah, what what have you guys been listening to? I, I've been going mad recently. There's a new album um, by a Finnish producer called Alexis Perella. Um, oh, cool! He's called uh, the Kalundi Sequence, and um, the more you look into it, the, the, the sort of stranger it gets. Basically, he's invented his own. Um, musical scale. Well, him and Gronk. Did he invented or they stumbled upon it. It's well, him and it's basically oh. him and Grant Wilson Claridge, who runs or used to run Reflex Records. So they they've they claim to invent this new musical scale, which um, you know rather than using the the, the old uh, sort of any of the traditional musical scales, and it's they, they underneath that they put sort of really sort of 
quite functional drums, but like really, really enough to make you you dance. And I've got absolutely obsessed with it. There's sort of because it's so. I mean, you know, so much more about musical theory than I do. Um, but it, for me, it just sounds a bit weird and alluring. Mm. And the fact that it's it, it's just different. You can't quite get your head around it, and it evokes these sort of strange emotions. I really enjoy. That's it. cool. I love. I I love that. I love. I love music that you can't. Um, yeah, initially understand because I feel like it that like by definition you get lost in it because you're like what what's going on I have to I have to look around I recommend this album a great deal I think it's yeah, cool it's a, it's, a, it's a bit like the the Aphex Twin stuff I mean it, it's, it's all about the tunings right I mean it's yeah. about yeah you know it's it, well you you talked about detuning something by a few cents because it just makes the chord come alive right and everything that mm-hmm. it does has this vibrational quality that that is just it's just off and yeah it's but it's beautiful it's mm. sort of really evocative mm-hmm. at the same time really enjoyable oh, that's, that's cool Loan. I'm excited for his album. I, I really am a big fan of the new Loan. I, I really liked his last album. I haven't the, the new the latest. I've heard the latest song, the sort of mm-hmm. hardcorey one. Yeah, right. Me, me too. I haven't I haven't listened to it. The video for that is really is really cool. I and maybe this is just coming from somebody who's obsessed with like train spotting as a kid. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening mm-hmm. to the new Loan quite a bit, and and, and uh, I like it. It's it's got a real kind of like breakbeat hardcore meets. Yeah. I mean, he Lone always sort of he he stays in his lane. You know, he hasn't mm-hmm, changed mm-hmm. drastically, but I feel like he sort of incrementally improves upon um, what he's doing, and, and I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. moment making making tempo where I um I, I learned about you know hard hardcore breakbeat just very very superficially um for like a day but uh, but I, I read I, I found this um this track by a, a group called two bad mice mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 <laughs> and uh and and I think it's even just sort of later than their their like peak moment like I think it was released in 2004 and it's called like it deep and I just I just love the sounds and the structures and so I I copied it all out and I um and I and I tried to and I tried to remake it in Ableton just sort of from scratch with the, the tools that I had and so that was my my hardcore breakbeat day Wait, that's amazing. it's hard so you when you say you copied it out do you mean you like transcribed it by hand mm-hmm so I did that with I did that with like Rhythm is, is a Dancer by Snap, and I did that with Two On by Tanache, where I I, uh, I just wrote out sort of like bar by bar what happens, um, what elements come in and out, just just to kind of learn about it. That's and amazing. then and then for 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 Two Bad Mice, um, 
uh, for that track, I, I try to remake it in uh, in Ableton. It it doesn't sound as good as Too Bad Mice. I would love Newsflash. to see. I would love to see your transcription of Too Bad Mice. I would love to see what that looks like <laughs> on the page. Cool. I can. I can. Let me take a picture and. Uh, I can like, send that in on the on the Skype. I'm, I'm on the, my phone right now. But, that mm-hmm. on, on the Line Noise uh, Facebook. Absolutely. I, I think our listeners would like to see that what a Too Bad Mice track looks like. Yeah. So my uh, what I've been listening to has is uh, Christian Now Jocks. Um, I've been. I, I just wrote a review of his new album for, for Pitchfork, so I've been listening to a ton of that. He's from Hamburg. He This is his, I think, his third album on Dial. Uh, Dial is a, a big favorite label of mine. That's uh, Lawrence co-founded it. Lawrence Turner, Karsten Yost, um, that kind of proto, pre-Smallville, minimal house, minimal techno vibe. And then Christian Nowjocks is... He's always been a bit different. Um, his first album was like piano and marimba and flute. Um, he did a really beautiful acoustic cover of New Order's Leave Me Alone. Uh, and then his last, his second album, he did, he recorded it in a Hamburg classical venue called the Lice Hall, Lice, Lice, Halle. I don't know how you pronounce that, <laughs> but it's some like classical venue from 1908. Cool. Um, and it was just solo piano and, well, not solo, but piano and marimba. Um, mm-hmm. The only vocal song on there was a cover of John Cage's Experiences Number no. 2, which was a piece that uh, was basically a, a musical setting of an E.E. E. Cummings poem. And so, like, he does really unusual stuff for Dial. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new album is all solo electric guitar and a few tracks that are electric guitar with piano. Mm-hmm. And it's basically an homage to Daruti Column. I mean, it's like his chord wow. voicings are the same. His delay settings are the same. It's, and I, I don't say that in a negative way. It's like, it's Daruti mm-hmm. Column Redux. But as a big Daruti Column fan, it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's a really beautiful sentimental um, album and yeah so I've been spending a ton of time with that Yeah, I feel like I feel like my my listening. Maybe it's because I'm about to put out an album, but it's it's not been very deep. <laughs> Do you find it hard to? I mean, when you're, I would assume you're kind of making music all the time. But when you're in an mm-hmm. album project, do you have to kind of restrict your listening so that you don't kind of interrupt your thought process? Yeah, well, it's it's hard for me to listen to music casually, kind of anyway. Um, and and so I, I find that I, I need to listen to things deliberately. And when I'm working, when I'm in a really intense period of working on my own stuff, um, I, I feel like I don't have the capacity to listen to, like I, I can only really enjoy and engage with something that's very kind of poppy because it's like a, a reprieve mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but it's, it's terrible because I end up missing... I end up just being a few steps behind the, the, the conversation, which, which maybe is, is fine because then I can like find, find my own way no, but through, I, uh, I mean, through a new piece of music. 
I totally get that because, for instance, like you mentioned earlier, Rihanna. I haven't heard the Rihanna album. You mentioned Radiohead. I haven't heard the Radiohead album. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Kanye. I think I listened to the Kanye album like once. And I find myself in a sort of a musical triage situation that's basically oh, I have right. so that's many good promos word. to get through. Mm. And I know that, okay, I'm doing these mm-hmm. six reviews this month. Mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. me to review an album, I have to spend like a lot of time with it, really living inside the album. And then mm-hmm. to figure out what I'm going to review, I have to listen to that over and over. Mm-hmm. And so... It's it's really like I listen to something kind of, for, and it's like if, if it doesn't hit me immediately, I'm probably mm-hmm. not ever going to hear it again. It's mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then stuff like you know Rihanna, like yeah, it, I would love to, but know what that's all about. But it's kind of outside of my wheelhouse. So mm-hmm. it's funny mm-hmm. when we, um, my wife used to have a car. We don't and, uh, we we don't anymore. And I used to get a lot of my listening. You know, I'd listen to the big pop songs in the car. Mm, stick the radio yeah. on. You know, there's no iPod lead or anything. So we just stick the radio on. Mm-hmm. And so, like a few summers ago, I had quite a good grasp of what was going on. You know, in, in the pop mm-hmm. world. And mm-hmm. this summer, I, I really don't. You know, I mean, I, I sort of um, I do listen to. I make an effort to listen to Rihanna. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you know makes it sound worse I enjoy listening to it you know but I actually mm-hmm. sort of constantly think right I should I should listen to this you know but it it's very easy to get lost in your own thing really yeah yeah absolutely well I I, I like I said I enjoy I sort of listen to, to 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 pop kind of piecemeal and I really enjoy there's a the second track on the new Rihanna record called James Joint is just her voice in these in this like little midi midi organ and uh and they're just really delicious chords and a weird sort of interlude song, not like a, a huge pop song. So if you, if you listen, listen to, if you listen to anything from the Rihanna record, I, I suggest James joint <laughs> and, uh, and needed me the, the, the DJ mustard jam. Um, it's like the most beautiful lengthy melisma for that, that chorus. All right. Cool. Well, um, Olga, this has been, Amazing. Thank you so much for taking so much time and, and talking with us. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing it. It's really, um, well, yeah, it's really been a pleasure. And um, obviously it's a shame we could only do it by Skype, but, you know, such is the, the transatlantic world. Thanks again to Olga Bell. Um, her new album, Tempo, is out on Friday, May 27th. Be sure to pick it up. Obviously, we normally uh, now would do our recommendations, um, but we've we've kind of done that. So if you want to see more from us on, on the music we recommend, uh, go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash line noise podcast. Ben, I see you over there wrestling with a big canvas. Is, is that a mailbag? It's a Father Christmas-esque bag of uh, of mail. And yes. it looks like emails are spilling <laughs> out of it. There's a whole two. There's <laughs> one sitting on top of the other. Can you read them for us? Well, we we had two emails, um, and um, I thank both of you very much for those emails. Very much appreciated. Um, the first one is from Fabio, and um, and Groove Rider, Groove Rider, sadly not included in the conversation. Um, but he uh, he said he, he likes the podcast. Thank you very much. He also recommended some really good Maltese techno. Um, he said. In recent years, there's been a sort of resurgence in electronic music producers and record labels from Malta. So he thought he would share. Um, and he linked to two uh, two releases, one of which is by Hale BLK, Hale Black, I'm not sure. Um, and the other of which is uh, Sonitas Echo, Her Hands Were Cold. Um, and I listened to the Hale Black one 
It's on YouTube. It's really good. Really kind of murky techno, kind of uh, a little bit paranoid, a little bit echoey. Really very nice. And we like our techno murky and paranoid and echoey here at Line Noise. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so and any recommendations, we're very happy to have. That was great. We'll put those links up on our Facebook. Um, it seems like interesting things are happening in Malta right now. I don't, I don't know a ton about Malta, but I know uh, it seems like there are more festivals happening there. I believe Annie Mack um, has been doing something there. When I, when I interviewed Katie B a couple of weeks ago for Pitchfork, she told me she had just been in Malta. Actually, I, the question I asked her was, because I interviewed her about um, – night clubbing and her experiences clubbing and I asked when the last time she'd stayed up all night was and KDB told me that it had it had been in in Malta which is as good a recommendation as any exactly and the second one was from uh, Michael Bacal Bacall Um, and he not only recommended a really good track which is Machine Woman I Can Mend Your Broken Heart the Kassam Moss remix um, which is a lovely piece of kind of dubby uh electronic uh music a bit techno-y uh, very nice but he also asked us a question and um why don't we answer him uh, basically he said how did we get into dance stroke electronic music um yeah I'll, I'll go first for me it was kind of a roundabout way um i i mean i, I in some ways you could say i grew up on electronic music given that i grew up listening to to new wave i mean that was one of the after i let's say graduated from top 40 um into alternative music i was listening to the human league and new order this was in the the i guess the mid 80s i mean i'm a little older um you know and so so that that looking back was essentially electronic music and then i had sort of a change of heart and i i got really into punk and hardcore and i decided that electronic music was horrible and artificial and um, I mean, I had been, I had some synthesizers, I had a Korg Poly 800, I had an Oberheim Matrix 6, and at some point I decided that they were abominations and I sold them and I spent the next several years listening only to, to hardcore and punk. And um, it wasn't until the early 90s that I was living in Providence, Rhode Island, I was buying a lot of records in a record shop in Providence called Fast Forward run by uh, Ron and Judy, uh, amazing uh, pair of people in, in Providence. And they were stalking a lot of like power violence and, and, and like metal and thrash and hardcore and screamo. But they also had kind of everything that was coming out on um, Warp and Reflex. They had early drum and bass. And that is where I, I heard um, the music remix of the auteurs I heard Aphex Twin selected Ambient Works Volume 2, and I, I was just recently back from Turkey where I'd been in Cappadocia, and they they had Autekers Amber in stock, and the record cover of Amber was photographed in Cappadocia in Turkey, and I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute, this, this is interesting, and I bought it uh, without even having heard it in the shop uh, based on the Turkey... Uh, sort of synchronicity and, and I brought it home and, and I never looked back. Interestingly enough, um, even though we grew up uh, thousands of miles apart, there was kind of still a few connections in, 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 in our stories. And I mean, it's basically Warp um, and the artificial intelligence and, and Aphex Twin is, is a big connection. Um, I'm ever so slightly younger, not much younger. Um <laughs> 
And uh, so, and I grew up in Britain, obviously. So when um, 1988 and rave and everything was happening, um, I was 11. And so obviously I wasn't going to raves, but you'd hear about it. You'd you'd hear the music on the radio and you'd see the people having these big parties and the news. And you think, well, what's all this about? And it's kind of quite intriguing. Um, and it, it was really high profile. You know, the proper chart hits, proper number one hits. And so people go and talk to the pops. It was on Radio 1. And you'd hear them. And it, it, you wouldn't hear them in like in the concert of this is weird electronic music. You'd hear them in like, this is the number one record this week. You know, this is a pop hit. Um, and that that sort of continued. And when I got to about 13, 14, uh, I remember things like Alternate and The Prodigy coming out. And that's very child-friendly. It's very child... Uh, it's very day-glow. It's very... Uh, it's peppy. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of hooks to, 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 to get your nails into. And I love that. And from there it sort of grew. I mean, I heard that Alternate sampled Derek May. And that ended up with me buying a Derek May record. Um, but what really got me was uh, Apex Twin Selects Ambient Works 1. I read a lot of music magazines and they were flipping out over this record. I mean justifiably so it's still still a classic and so i bought that when i was 15 16 absolutely loved it and for me that was just a gateway into all the artificial intelligence stuff b12 black dog um there's a richie horton album views Um, yeah oh what an album that was um and you go on from there and you go and you start looking into detroit techno and you start looking to house um and from their drum and bass and then i mean I was young at the time, wasn't going to, to, to many clubs, although I did go to, I did see Aphex Twin live at Megadog. That was quite something, Megadog what, Norwich. What is Megadog? Oh my god, Megadog is, how to describe, it, it's like a sort of, if I said a crusty, would you know what that was? Crusty, like travellers, like um, yeah. dreadlocks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not maybe the, the, the nicest of terms. I really, I really don't mean it in any kind of bad way. But Apologies you know, to our crusty listeners. No, you, you know what I mean. And yeah. it was like that, that kind of night. It was like really hippie. And they'd have people like, but it was such a great night. They'd have people um, like Eat Static and, and System 7 who you might expect. But they'd also get like Apex Twin and Orbital and that kind this of thing. This was a club night? It was a club night, but they toured. Okay. So I remember they, they came to Norwich where I was living. And... Uh, I don't remember who else they had, but they had Aphex Twin doing a live set. This was, what, 1995, 96, something like that. Wow. Um, but it it was it was like live. It was like almost like a gig rather than like a club, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of into it that way, in like a live music way. And, and that, you know, almost like serious music, if you know what I mean. And then, but that kind of sets you up that when you start going to nightclubs, you you under you kind of get it in another way, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I remember mm-hmm. listening to sort of Plastic Man records in my bedroom, sort of pretty much never having been to a nightclub, and thinking this is kind of pretty interesting. But when you actually go and you hear it out, you're like, oh, right. yeah, it's a whole new dimension. Yeah, when he's playing with another record, I get you, you know. Um, and that was it, really. From there, it was um, I, I sort of developed a long-standing love of electronic electronic music, really. Yeah. And here we are today. Well, exactly. In 2016. <laughs> exactly. Fresh-faced and young and <laughs> not as old as that makes us sound, exactly. of course. You know. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so this has been another episode of Line Noise. Uh, 
indeed it has. Feel free to get in touch. You can follow us on Twitter at LineNoisePod. Uh, you can uh, send us an email, LineNoisePodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, Line Noise Podcast. Um, just get in touch in any possible way. We'll be back very soon. It's festival season here in Barcelona. We've got Primavera. We've got Sonar. And uh, we'll be weighing in on those soon. We want to thank Olga Bell for chatting with us today. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, talk to you guys next time. Bye.